Today's episode of Basketball Buds is brought to you by Game Time. All right, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Oh, my God! Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. That's tap, tap. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Back-to-Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Call me when you wake up. You playing hurt, Jade? Oh, I got this cold over the weekend, and I mm. this is a good shape. My voice is kind of back. Yeah, you sound wow. like puberty. <laughs> Fred. I'm back. Is it Frederick or just Fred? Uh, you know, my real name is Matthew. What, is Fred your middle name? Nope. Just the nickname that everyone's called me my whole life. What? what? That's a Fuck. nickname? Yep. Matt Katz is pretty good, though. <laughs> <laughs> it almost runs. Yeah. I like Matt really Katz. Close. That's interesting. Yeah, my name's John, but people call me Ed. What? That's exactly <laughs> right. What? Is that is it, me? No. <laughs> That's my go-to <laughs> fake name for people. Oh, mine's Kyle. I'm just wondering, is that a thing to say Fred for Matt or no? It's just random, right? No, it's my third grade teacher came up with it. What? And it's stuck? Wow. Call None him, of this story uh, makes sense. No one calls me Matthew. Like the only two people who call me Matthew are my dad calls me Matt and my mom calls me Matthew and that's it. But they call me Fred when we're around other people so as not to confuse everybody. This exactly. is a whole pod. Wow. In itself. <laughs> you were named by your third grade teacher. That's like, <laughs> that's an unusual story. That, that's an unbelievable <laughs> amount of authority. Well, Fred is your middle name, yeah, right? Yeah, Fred is it the middle is now. name. Yes. So your name is now Fred, Fred Norris? <laughs> Fred, Fred Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Lock it in! There's, like, someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the set. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh, man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA that I've ever heard in my entire life. Funny, I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden turning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a, you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now, that he's getting. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South Blue Rods again. I'll take oh that one. Oh I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. I want to apologize for all the physical and mental abuse the whole time you were here. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. <laughs> he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. My a lot of women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented on. Right, if they get caught, he gets thrown in jail. Back up a basketball. The guy worked at Riley. He knows the way things are supposed to be run, and he knows what's going on in New York. There's a big difference. Are you making calls for Fred Katz? Because Katz has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> no, this is a journey into time. Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new colors, new dimensions, new depth. What's up, buddy? So, dream? A lot of people ask why uh, in Veterans Day. But a lot of people forget that my dad is American. My grandfather on both sides, they're American. And I want to give a special recognition to my grandfather of my mom's side, who got the Purple Heart in the World War II. So, a big shout out for all the veterans today. And big shout out to my mom and your father, who's not with us anymore, but I know he's looking up, up there. Welcome to the Basketball Buds edition of the Back to Back Podcast on the Count the Dings Network, which is a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I got all that right. I'm Zach Harper. I'm your host today, joined by John Krasinski, uh, Matt, a.k.a. Fred Katz, uh, Big Waz, Wazzy Lambre, John Krasinski, and our special guest today, Frank Isola, New York media legend. He's going to break down uh, just how good the New York Knicks are this season. Frank, thanks for joining us. How good are the Knicks? 
First of all, how many people we got in there today? Four? Oh, yeah, minimum. Five, <laughs> I think. Like the, six. It's turning six. into the view. What the heck? It is. It is. <laughs> and we're all going to fight uh, each other at the end to see who wins. And I say this all the time. Nobody ever calls me until the Knicks are a complete train wreck, which usually means I get calls early November, sometimes as late as December, and then the Knicks just fade away. Nobody ever wants to talk about the Knicks anymore. So this year it's a little bit earlier than usual with the, the nonsense that happened the other night. And, you know, it's, we were headed toward this for a while. You know, they were trying to hide it by just telling everyone how great of a summer they had. But, you know, the great thing about the NBA is finally the game start and you have to play and they're two and eight and they've been really bad at home. That's really what it comes down to, that they've been terrible at home. They got, they were getting blown out in four of the games that they played at home. One of them, they came back and won against the Chicago Bulls. And you know, they were down 18 in that game. And I think the fact that the owner shows up for all the home games with his mm. family, friends, and whoever else, he, you know, he's got a huge entourage with him. He's probably tired of getting embarrassed at home and having people mm. boo and some people say sell the team. And I think he kind of blew a gasket at halftime of the game on Sunday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But, but Frank, like this has been 18 years of them being the worst franchise in the NBA. Like, I, like how, can he, how can he just now be getting embarrassed? <laughs> well, I mean, you're trying to apply, you know, reason and logic. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's, that's my bad. Huge mistake you're going to make because nothing ever really does make sense. I think if you go back to 2001, that was you that they, you know, they last won a playoff series in 2000. Then they went all these years and they won the one playoff series when Carmelo finished third in the MVP voting. So really, it's 20 years they've won one playoff series in a sport where half the teams make the playoffs. They've won mm. one playoff series. And if they have a losing season this year, and it looks pretty good that that could happen, that'll match a franchise record seven straight losing seasons today. Frank, uh, it feels like Dolan actually thought that the team would be good this year. I know that we're not supposed to operate off of logic and reason, but, you know, they, <laughs> they, they traded KD for cap space and some decent picks. Um, with the idea being that they would bring in a couple of great to very good players, they went out and did not do that. Um, is it not on Steve Mills to be managing expectations? Like, isn't that a GM's job here? Yeah, and I think, too, you know, the Knicks are very good, and they do this all the time, and their fans buy it. They sell hope. And last year was real easy to sell hope because, the you know, everyone now is okay with tanking, so the tanking part of it was fine, and they won 17 games, and guess what? They did get a high draft pick, the number three overall pick in the draft. But the other part of it was, you know, we're going to clear cap space and we're going to get a free agent. And then they signed Chris Porzingis, their best young player, which opened up enough cap space to sign two max guys. And you guys know this. I mean, the work going around the NBA was that it was going to be Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Something happened between February and probably May where those two guys decided, you know what, that's not the place where we want to go. So the owner, not only were the fans kind of sold a bill of goods, I think the owner was as well. And I think too often with the Knicks, you know, the plan really of management, it's not really about building a winning team. It's really a plan of survival. And that's kind of what they do. And that's why eventually they blame the coach. So the coach always kind of rotates in and out. And, you know, David Fisdale will be the next sacrificial land. But there the really coach didn't trade KP. He's trying to apply logic and reason to it. <laughs> that, is, that has nothing to do with it. That's just the way it works there. So they, they, it's easy to sell. Well, the players are fine. The problem that they're underperforming is because of the coach. So it's always easy to change the coach as opposed to looking yourself in the mirror and maybe saying, you know what? I need to be better. What if they just need to change everybody? I mean, it, it's not like Fisdale's doing a, a like the best job with a, you know, a roster that has flaws. They're running, they're in top 10 in isolation and they're 29th in points per, per possession in isolation. Um, they actually are, are, have the 30th ranked offense points per possession. Um, they are, wait, wait, but what, they are, they, what are they supposed to, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, this is why, my question. Why would you I mean, isolate though, right? Like, you don't what? have, you don't have isolation points. You don't have it's a point like guard. Kyrie Irving. Who are you going right. to run to play with? You don't have a point guard. You might as well isolate. Like this idea that Fizz is the problem. And, like, and, 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 and I think, and I think too, if you go back and look, right. So on the one hand, you're saying you're going to rebuild around young players. So let's say they had kept Przingis, who, by the way, Kevin Irving likes, Kevin Durant likes, and that's not to say that they both would have come here. Let's say they still didn't come to New York. 
at least now you could be looking at a team that would have Przingis on it, R.J. Barrett, and maybe if you would play Frank Nilakina for the first two years of his uh, of his career in the NBA, as opposed to just playing Trey Burke and Emmanuel Moody, it makes so like that's the that's the thing. They'll say the plan is rebuilding with youth, and then they're going out and getting these retreads, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle and patting themselves on the back or however we're, we're finding these guys and we're going to develop them. Go look at all the guys that they had on the team last year. And what, what kind of contracts did Mario Hozonia get? Emmanuel Moutier, Trey Burke, you know, the Knicks were patting themselves on the back. Like we're going to turn these guys into assets. None of those guys turned into assets. So they wasted kind of two years by, by not playing Nilakina. And that's not, that's not on, all on David Fisdale. David Fisdale knows what the deal is. I mean, come on. The guy worked for Pat Riley. For a lot of years. He knows the way things are supposed to be run and he knows what's going on in New York. There's a big difference. Frank, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this. So I covered Bobby Portis last year. Uh, one of the big things that John Wall brought up a lot about with like all the Wizards cultural problems last year was they had so many guys who were on the last years of their deals or on one year deals. And there were so many guys who were just trying to get theirs. The Knicks went out and they just Tons of the, yeah, there are the team options, but they're effectively on one-year deals and they're going to be potentially trying to get theirs. Has that like pervaded the culture at all of the locker room? Because there are guys like like Marcus Morris and and guys like Bobby Portis who are going to want to get their numbers, going to want to do their things. Like, Is that a thing that you see affecting them at all or potentially affecting them? You know, it's funny. If you go back and look, I think it was the first year that Doc Rivers won Coach of the Year when he was coaching the Orlando Magic, even though I thought it might have been Phil Jackson's first year in L.A., and I thought Phil should have been the coach of the year because he showed up there, and I think they won 60-plus games. But Doc Rivers inherited a roster in Orlando where all the players were in a similar situation. They A lot of guys were on the last year of their contract. So Doc Rivers kind of used that to his advantage and squeezed the most out of them. And you know everyone played at a high level, and he was still able to manage kind of the roster. But I do think you're right. I think I think the players today – I think they probably more than ever look at themselves as independent contractors. I think they look at it like, all right, I'll go to the Knicks. Not a good team. I'll get to live in New York for a year, and I'll be the star on the team. And I think when you're in a situation like that where you kind of don't have you know, the so-called you know, designated star player on the team, it's going it's to cause problems. And you guys know this too. The more you lose, the situation is only going to get worse. Because you know, they, yeah. they would reach a point where David Fizda would probably you know, cut his rost, uh, rotation to the, you know, eight, nine, ten guys. But when you're losing, everyone's going to have the kind of mentality of this thing is a circus. I got to get mine because I got to get paid at the end of the year. Hey, Frank, just real quick on that, too. Like when when you're watching um, these players who come in and they get a contract and they say, hey, I am going to the big city. It's New York Knicks. Yeah, they've been bad, but I'm going to go get mine and play in Madison Square Garden. Like how long does it take or or how often do you see them? come in with bright eyes and bushy tails. And then by what is it? Six weeks in a month in, is it sooner where <laughs> the, it, it glazes over and they're like, Oh, bleep. I'm stuck here now. I say it all the time. Whenever they bring people in who aren't really familiar with the way things work in New York, I think either the organization can be, whether it's Mike D'Antoni, you know, whatever the coach may be or the player, I think they have them convinced the guys you got to watch out for are the guys in the media. Yeah. They're the real troublemakers. They are the cause of all the problems. And to your point, John, I think it takes them, you know, it, it all depends on the person. Some guys, it does take six weeks. Some guys, it might take three months. It might take six months, but you could tell that they eventually reached that point. You know, Joe Canoa reached that point. Uh, Derek Rose reached that point. Jason Kidd reached that point. Where they said, you know what? It's not the media that's messed up. <laughs> it's everything <laughs> else that goes on in this organization. That's messed up, and it and it ha- you know and it'll happen to the next guy that they hire as coach. You know, the, the money they're, they're going to pay you a lot of money, so that kind of gets you dreaming. And then everyone buys. You know, if you at the press conference, I think it's in your contract you have to mention Mecca. You know, the, the Mecca <laughs> yeah, of basketball. Right. New York is the Mecca of basketball. And all that stuff. <laughs> it's, you're required to do that, so everybody yeah. plays into that whole thing. No and wonder then, Anthony Davis didn't want to go there. <laughs> exactly, and I think you, I think you could tell David Fisdale now is. No, come on, guys. The guy was in Miami. They do things a different way in Miami. That's Pat Riley, of all people. And I still say the problem with the Knicks, when this was not a Jim Dolan thing. Jim Dolan, had, they're not on the team. They never should have let Pat Riley walk out of the building. If Pat Riley had stayed in New York and they had given, the, given him the Kings 
to uh, the keys to the castle, I think the Knicks would have three championships right now over these last 20 plus years, whatever it's been with Pat Riley in Miami. Well, you can read Frank on the athletic where, you know, you listen to this, all of us do. And, and Frank had a great article on the Knicks and in it, Frank, you, uh, you mentioned, uh, there are sources saying that they're going to be a run at Masai Ujiri, uh, another run at Masai. They, it seems like this is the, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever the TV equivalent of the Ross Rachel, whatever the, you know, will they, won't they, where the Knicks tried to go get Masai and have him fix everything. One, how realistic is it for them to go, you know, just throw as much money as they need at Masai? And then once he's there, how realistic is that they let him do what he needs to do? Yeah, and that's going to be that, that's a good question because I think the same thing happened with Phil Jackson where that they gave Phil all this money. I never thought it was the smartest thing to do to give Phil Jackson all that money because you were hiring him to be your coach. That's one thing you were hiring him to be to you know to build a team, something he had never done before. And in fairness to Phil, with all due respect, like he wasn't in the best like of health. You know, to do that job as especially as a, technically a rookie executive, it's not easy. Masai's a little bit different. He's you know he's done this before with a couple organizations built the championship team in Toronto. They've done after him before. And I remember this might've been three or four years ago where one of Jim Dolan's like right-hand men, who's not really a basketball guy actually had dinner at the garden with Masai when Toronto was in New York. So they, Jim Dolan likes Masai, which is weird because Masai was part of the Carmelo Anthony trade in Denver, where the Knicks basically gave Denver anything they wanted. He was part of the Toronto trade with Bargiani, where the Knicks took Bargiani, which, you know, they're still regretting that one. He gave up the first round pick. So Masai has taken Jim Dolan a couple of times on deals. And these were deals that Jim Dolan was involved in. So that, that part of it is interesting. I'll tell you another thing. The Knicks actually hired a consulting firm a few years back. And the consult, like I love these consulting jobs. I got to get one of these. The know, consulting exactly firm said, "Burn it all down. Go, go <laughs> get Masai Ujiri. What's the insurance exactly. like on the yeah. Madison Square Garden?" Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the the consulting firm, their big thing, and you know that they got a lot of money. Their big thing was stop trading first round picks. I think all of us in the media had been writing that, but we didn't. You know, the Knicks didn't give us any money, but they paid some consultant for like five hundred thousand dollars to tell them to stop trading first round picks, and that's why <laughs> they were on the verge of trading the first round pick for Kyle Lowry way back when. It was a, you know there were other players involved, and it was Dolan who at the last minute uh, pulled the plug on the deal, which is interesting because that probably worked out better for Toronto that they got to keep Kyle Lowry, and of course he was part of a team that won a championship. You know, I'm glad you brought up the Phil Jackson era because I think what happened with Phil Jackson, it seemed like Dolan loved the idea of Phil Jackson because he he could use him as a human meat shield, right? It's like, I just hired one of the most legendary people in the history of basketball, paid him a shit ton of money. He's been empowered to make all the decisions. Um, Don't come complaining to me. I just did what I'm supposed to do. Only, you know, Phil Jackson never did the job. They basically overpaid them because they were begging him to come to New Year, come do this job in the first place. And they got to a number where he's like, all right, I can't turn down $50 million. Well, you know, <laughs> you know it, 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 it's, you know, you're 100% right. And at the press conference, I was laughing because, you know, at Phil's press conference, of course, it was all about, you know, the, the, the championship teams that he played for in New York and they were about ball move and his connection to the Knicks and, and Red Holtzman and all like how this is like home to him. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's home. All right. But would you come if they gave you only $10 million? You can <laughs> because they gave you 50. So, you know, this whole <laughs> sentimental stuff, I, I, apparently there's a price on it. And that, and you're a hundred percent right. That was the next big thing. That was Jim Dolan said, Hey, wait a second. I went out and got the number one basketball guy out there. But most of us that cover the team were like, well, hold on a second. He's never done this job before. That goes back yeah. to what I said. You know, if you were getting him to coach the team, all right, that's one thing. But you're getting him to do a job that he had never done before. And when he realized that he didn't have kind of the stomach for it or the endurance for it, he kind of reverted back to what he was, which was a coach. So he was sitting, you know, in his seat in the 10th row, and he's trying to coach the team. And he's running after the season ended. He ran like a, uh, a triangle training camp. He was making Derek Fisher do that. The players didn't want to do it. Derek Fisher didn't want to do it. That thing was a total mess. That was that that was probably as bad as it gets considering the money and all the expectations. And that thing fell apart pretty quickly. You know, it's this thing with Isaiah and now with Steve Mills. I don't know what kind of hold Steve Mills has on Dolan, but I don't know how autonomous he is either because, you know, I don't... Uh, 
it seems like people said that Dolan legitimately balked at the idea of KD coming in with a torn Achilles. Is there any truth to that? I, I don't I don't buy that. I, I think mm. if Kevin Durant wanted to come to New York, they would have been all over Kevin Durant. It, it was he, I did honestly, I thought at the time when it happened in Toronto, you know, I wrote that if I'm the Knicks, just move on at this point because mm. you know you can't with the organization where the, where this organization has been and with the injuries that they've had over the years, contracts that they gave out to Antonio McDice, Allen Houston, Amari Stoudemire, they've been down this road before. You know, Eddie Curry, where they paid guys a lot of money and guys were injured. And it just, for this organization at this time, I didn't think it made any sense. But don't kid yourself. They wanted both those guys. And it was easy to say once it was clear that they were going to, um, to Brooklyn, you know, well, we don't want to meet with them. That's what they said. But I know people that were in that who were with the Knicks. And when they found out that Kyrie Irving, and they, they probably knew, they probably had a hint beforehand that it was going to happen. He was going to Brooklyn. They were very disappointed. Their plan really blew up. That was that was the ultimate you can't fire me, I quit moment. I mean, that was that was all it was, right? I mean, it was the entire league kind of knew just from chatter ev- legitimately everywhere that the Knicks wanted those guys. And so many people thought just based on their confidence that it was happening. Uh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And something happened, you know, whether it was April or May, but I, I, I had spoken to someone who was close to Kyrie. And where I live now is the next town over from where Kyrie grew up. And people had said that his big thing was he wanted to come back and live, you know, near his hometown or in his hometown. And he, you know, he wanted to play in New York, but he did not have a lot of faith in Nick management, which obviously includes ownership as well. And that's why he decided to go to Brooklyn. So I think, I think that's something with the Knicks. It's the same thing that, you know, Przingis, you know, they, they made him out to be the villain. Like he's responsible for the, uh, the disaster of the last 20 years. But, you know, Porzingis was the guy that raised the red flag and said, you know, I don't, you know, where this organization is headed, I, it's not good. We're not headed in a good place. So instead of just taking that into account, they just painted him as the as the, uh, as the villain and they trade him. But Kyrie Irving basically confirmed that. And so I think Kevin Durant, honestly, I think Kevin Durant would have followed Kyrie Irving anyway. I think this was kind of driven by Kyrie. But, it told, you know, it, it says something that, you know, Kyrie Irving wanted to come play in New York, but he didn't have a lot of faith in the organization, just like Chris Epperzingis did. Look, the, the Knicks the last year or so have like, all of this to me is filled with self-fulfilling prophecies. Because if you use the logic, the Knicks company line of, well, KP didn't want to be here. So what are we supposed to do? He says that he might have maybe taken the qualifying offer and then you lose him for nothing. That's missing the point. The point is, why doesn't he want to be there? You're in the number exactly. one market. People should presumably exactly. want to be there. Why are you setting up an environment in which he doesn't want to be there? Why are you setting up an environment in which Kyrie Irving is trying to get you, is trying to want to be there and doesn't want to be there? And same thing for Kevin Durant. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you get this star player and you have to trade him because he's so unhappy that you are legitimately worried he might take the qualifying offer coming off of an ACL injury, which nobody does even when they're healthy. It's like Ben Gordon and Greg Monroe. No one does that. So, so the fact that you are setting up this environment in which he's so unhappy, that's, that's your issue because no one else is that unhappy. No, it, you know, it's the top organizations, whenever they get a, you know, a guy that they think could be an all-star caliber player. And he did make an all-star team with the Knicks and then he got hurt. But look, look at what goes on in Dallas with Luka Doncic, the way that they had, they know how to like nurture a young player. It's going on in Atlanta as well with a guy like Trey Young. That's what the best organizations do. It's almost like the Knicks, they read the book on how to nurture and market and develop your young star. And they decided to do the exact opposite of it. And they alienated the guy and it was like silly things. All right. So we had a good relationship with one of the assistant coaches. He liked working with him. They ended up getting rid of that assistant coach. And that first year that he, that he went home to Lafayette, they didn't, nobody went over there to visit him. What's what, you know, you, you look at all these uh, teams, they don't have coaches go all over the world to work out with a player, even if it's just for a week or two weeks. The Knicks didn't even do that. With Przingis, they did everything they can to alienate him, and then they took the easy route and said, "Well, it's his brother. It's his high maintenance brother, and it's him. He's asking for the, you know, the king, the uh, keys to the castle." The, the Knicks did that to Mar to, with Stefan Marbury more than a decade earlier. Had that work out, and I, so, I don't remember the, the organization complaining about that. Maybe the Knicks haven't made you so sick that you can't eat. 
So you might as well order DoorDash. Long day at work, tough day at school, sick of watching the Knicks and need to take your mind off with some comfort food. DoorDash has you with every favorite restaurant you've ever been to and every one that you're going to discover through DoorDash. They connect you easily. Oh, my God. Open the app. Choose what you want to eat. Your food's delivered to you wherever you are. Doesn't matter. Outside Madison Square Garden, inside Madison Square Garden. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might find a new favorite as well. I know, man. Oh, my God. So many options for you. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BACK. So where do they go from here? I mean, we we all know Fizdale's going to, you know, he's going to be out the door. Um, despite having two and a half years left on his contract. But, you know, I mean, then what? Are, are they going to change management? Is that actually going to happen? Or is it going to be, you know, they're going to bring in Mark Jackson and, and hope that works out? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, to me right now, what, what went down on Sunday, that was old Jim Dalton. There's no way that Steve Mills and Scott Perry are, are addressing the media after a loss like that in November. That is not happening. So, by the owner doing that, that, that kind of has the wheels in motion right now, and there really isn't a plan right now. We still believe in our coaching staff. We believe in the plan that Scott and I put together and the players that we've assembled, but we also have to acknowledge that we haven't played at the level we expected to play at. Just out of curiosity, what spurred you guys to address us in this fashion? Because it's it's rare for it to happen. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not happy with where we are. This is not where we expect it to be. What's your sense about what um, the owner, James Dolan, feels about the products? Well, so I mean, Jim still b- believes in the plan that we put together, but he's a, he's passionate as we look, are. Look, you know, New York, look, <laughs> New York is the mecca of basketball. Have a better, better results on the floor as well. But the, the lack of consistency. This is something that we expected. You know, you see sporadic efforts, too. A more complete game of basketball focused on improvement and delivering a consistent effort because we believe that gotta keep you know pounding the rock if you will until it until it finally takes over stack consistent efforts and to the left and i'm sure steve mills is going to try to do everything he can to convince the owner no no we're, we're headed in the right direction and i think the way they're going now they're clearly going to be a lottery team. Maybe they're going to have a pick that's a lot higher than the one we thought they were going to get. And that that's maybe the way they'll do it. They'll just try to get another high pick, sign other players uh, next, you know, next summer. But face it, let's face it, guys. There's not a lot of free, you know, all these free agents keep signing now. It's not like there's a lot of guys out there. Frank, you sound defeated. It's exhausting having the same conversation every year for 18 years. <laughs> How can the Knicks preach no. hope after this summer? That's the thing that kills me the most about this summer. It's not even that they just didn't get KD, Kyrie, or anything of any substance. It's like, how can you credibly come out and preach patience and hope and free agency as an angle ever again after what they did this summer? Well, well was they're set up for 2021. They'll be fine. That's right. Giannis. They were set up for 19. Giannis. Giannis. They'll they'll hire Masai. He'll sign Giannis. Championship. Well, they, you know, they, they, they sell hope every single year and they're lucky because they have a built-in fan base that goes to all the games early in the season. You get the hardcore fans going. Then when things start to fall apart, they sell those tickets on the secondary market. And if you start going to games in March and April, you'll hear every language in the book because a ton of tourists are in New York and they figure, Hey, let's go to, uh, uh, you know, an NBA game at Madison Square Garden, and yeah, it's it's non-stop with how many different uh, you know nationalities you'll see, especially in March and April. Well, Frank, are, are there just too many people in New York just because of that? I mean, because it, 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 hey, you know where I live, and no one goes to the games because they've been bad, and and that's the way that the fan base can send some sort of message to the organization that we do not you know, support what's going on here. And so you better figure some things out. And that's been the same way for the last 15 years here. Like, I mean, but in New York, John, you, you just have that New constant York, churn, man, right? It's a disease. It's, 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 <laughs> oh, man. It's, not, it's not normal. And, and I, These people aren't normal, man. <laughs> well, I also think like the, the, the whole thing about the garden, it's almost like going to a Broadway play in some ways. And there's going to be celebrities there. You know, there are certain families yeah. in New York. Like the Met fan base is like this, they, you know. If they don't feel like you're putting a good product out there, I mean, they're incredibly loyal, but they will they will protest by not going to games. 
So there are certain fan bases that do that in New York. The Knicks have a built-in fan base. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nonstop. So we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about how much of a circus they've been. And every year we're going to see how much the franchise is worth, the value of it, and they're selling at every game. And they're going to say, you're telling me we're doing a bad job? How do you explain all this? Yeah, you well, can't yeah, get rid of that well, marketing team. You got to right. keep that marketing team. Well, yeah, the marketing. I mean, Frank, that's that's the thing is like they just print money, right? Like, e- yep. like imagine what they would make if they were even like a middling team. Yeah, and that's no playoff games all the time too. Remember that, right? You know, you know, these teams make a ton of money, but you're right about me. You know, making money. I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden. It's churning out hundred dollar bills <laughs> at rapid speed. <laughs> all right, we'll read them on the Athletic. Catch them on SiriusXM NBA Radio. You can find them everywhere. You know where he is, Frank Isola. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, Fred? The ones that barely hit shelves. The answer is StockX, revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, handbags, anything you want. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out. You go and have something sell out and you're like, damn, I missed it. No, you just go to StockX. They got everything. Latest Yeezys, latest Retro Jordans, hottest sneakers, uh, streetwear. You got Supreme. You got Palace, Kid, Babe, all that stuff. Why is you looking for those Red Octobers? Um, I don't have ten thousand dollars. Um, but you can price them. You can check when that income. Yeah, you check when that price drops. I've been looking at these uh, those confetti Kyrie's forever, just pricing, just waiting for that thing to drop on StockX. It's 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 cathartic actually because you, you know that they're still favorite, there. We you know my favorite part though about StockX, and I think it's the, the most underrated part, is that authentication. Like people will hear that and think, I mean, that you know, whatever. I don't need that. But if you try to go on some of these other secondary market websites. Um, a lot of times, and I know people who have personally gotten back bogeys, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and so, <laughs> and so StockX, man, that their, their process by which they go about making sure that every single sneaker that's, that's sold is in fact the real one. A lot of times people come back from Asia or different parts of the world with, and I tell you, they got some good bootlegs got out some there. Good people. bootlegs out there. Um, You're not gonna and, get through StockX. Yeah, and and StockX is so expert at spotting the real from the fake, man. It's an invaluable um, resource. Yeah, they actually hand inspect every single purchase that comes through there. So uh, their experts go above and beyond, make sure you never get burned by fakes. Really remove all the risk. Uh, if you want in on the hype, check out stockx.com/bball. For a surprise offer that won't be around long. That is intriguing. That's StockX slash B-Ball. Check it out today. All right, guys. The big news from the week is that uh, it wasn't just the plane of the Miami Heat that got high on a trip from <laughs> Phoenix to L.A. It was uh, one Dion Waiters. That's the so. There's a lot to, to unpack here. We've got plenty of reporting, Shams Tarani of The Athletic, that it was a single gummy, which, guys, I'm calling. I yeah, don't know about and, that. And, and, and I got a I, lot of respect for Shams as a reporter. I, I know yeah, he does I think, his due I think diligence. The, I think the source is trying to protect something, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't blame the reporter. I blame the source. Um, yeah, a single gummy caused a bad reaction uh, he he couldn't be woken up, and then when he did, there might have been a seizure involved. There's some confusion on on that. Um, but a player on the team, uh, or a member of the team, allegedly gave it to him. He's not telling who. He's not going to snitch. Uh, Was you don't do that, right? Especially not. Yeah, that's not what I love about Dion Waiters. He's cool with um, having a seizure from weed edibles <laughs> on a plane. Being suspended for ten games for you know his lack of professionalism, he's cool with all of that being on his record. But snitching, no, 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 not no, it. no, no, no. Not one. I got, lines I got, I got a, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a reputation to maintain yeah. here. Guys, so how, how did all this happen on a flight from Phoenix to LA? They were in Denver before, so I can take a <laughs> guess. A as to how it Wait, do we, do we think that there's a possibility, Dave, that he took the edible in Denver? Then they were in Phoenix, and it really kicked in when they went from Phoenix hit. to LA, like that. Yeah, like sometimes that stuff hits eighteen hours, right? Like you can have a you can have a long one. Well, yeah, you maybe got an old one like the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Right, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> seen it happen time and time again. Oh, we've seen it that that old that old tale, that old fairy tale. 
Um, yeah, so Dave, the, the most intriguing part of this to me is the suspension, right? Ten games, it guarantees that he doesn't get, what is it, like a $1.9 million? $1.2 million bonus. Yeah, for playing um, seventy games or more, which I he, I don't think he was. Gonna well, he wasn't anyway. going to play that anyway. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, gonna but hit still, that. they made it official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I man, I, I wonder if if this is about to end. Uh, this little partnership, <laughs> uh, you know, um, it's pretty clear they're not happy with him uh, in general. And then this stuff happened. Uh, conduct detrimental to the team it seems like a, a good way to get out of a contract if you if you, you know really wanted to pursue it. Isn't that conduct uh, supplemental to the team? Because they didn't want to play him anyway. <laughs> well, right. You would think they could just say, okay, um, yeah, th- this is a good reason to keep you away from the team and all these other things. But uh, I don't know if it's going to work out that way. Watch him come back from the suspension. And he's just like amazing for like eight games. The gummy yeah. streak. Right. Well, you yeah. That trade play. well, so that's the thing, Fred. Like there's some rumors, at least, I mean, if I heard him, I feel like other people heard him. But there's rumors like, Yo, there might have been a trade with Charlotte coming up between Miami to unload that contract and maybe go get a player like a, a well, one of those expiring veterans like a like a Marvin Williams or something. So that like there's no way anyone trades for him at this point unless you attach assets. And by the way, they don't have assets unless it's like Derek Jones Jr. or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a weird situation where his value's got to be so low right now. And he was out of shape last year. Don't you guys have a problem with the with the 10 game suspension for weed? It's like over if, if we a conduct if conduct detrimental to the team is getting high, there would be no more teams. But is it? But well, is this it, is, is it, it this for is weed? Stra- yeah, this isn't for weed. Like this is like uh, a you know lifetime achievement award <laughs> right now that he's getting. Like <laughs> well, it's for not being able to handle the weed. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like that's this is. The, read that statement that Miami put out. Does oh, any yeah. any team ever throw a player under the bus the way that the Heat just did? Like this is like they're all they're all fed up. Like that's that's what this all comes down to. That's what that's what I was gonna say, John. This is the Heat we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Frank Frank kept bringing them up because they are the most professional, well-run league. This side of the I mean, team this side of the Spurs essentially. Like nobody has a more pristine reputation. Um, then the Miami Heat. So the fact, obviously, they leaked the the most damaging information <laughs> here. Like, why would Deion Waiters want this out there that he got way too high on a work trip? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy, dude. Like, you're on the team playing, and you just got too high, too paranoid, too anxious. Um, and they had to, didn't they have to land the plane early yeah, for like a, a medical ground the plane, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, y'all. That's <laughs> crazy. For somebody that's not even playing. Right. Now, God. to be fair, I, I can't remember where I've told this story before, but it was on one of our pods, I think. But to be fair, I did once get too high to go to a Wu-Tang concert. So it's possible <laughs> to have a bad reaction. Yeah. I was in Des Moines, Iowa for 4th of July. And Wu-Tang, maybe I was high in thinking that Wu-Tang was actually in Des Moines for 4th of July, but I was there at a friend's house to, to go you know, to see Wu-Tang for 4th of July. And uh, and, he, and my friend made some brownies and he and he really messed up the ratio, like really messed it up. It was like it was one of his first times making them. And this is, you know, back six, seven years ago, back before, you know, you could just easily get this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, he really messed it up. And I was high for about a day, like a full 24 hours. And it like uncomfortably high to where I got out of bed to lie on the floor so I would be more comfortable. Like that's how bad it was. And I couldn't go to the concert. I, I was like, I just, I couldn't go. They went without me, like couldn't go. And so I understand what Dion's point. And that is why they for that either. Yeah, that's why the heat. Yeah, so high that he had to sleep on the floor. They invented the stretch provision for me. They stretched me. Yeah, you stretched out on that floor. Stretched out on the floor. It was it was awful. I went from playing like 2K6 or something. It was playing an old version, whatever version where Ricky Davis was on the Timberwolves. So I was getting busy with Ricky. Oh, man, you know I was getting busy. And so my girlfriend at the time comes out there while me and my friend are playing. She's like, yo, I don't feel good. Like, I, And I'm just like, oh, God, you're being dramatic, whatever. So like, I go and I put her in bed. I'm like, yo, just drink this water, sleep it off. You'll be fine. Like thinking she's being dramatic. And literally as I turn away from the bed, it hits me. And that's when I was like, oh, no, she's not lying. This is bad. Oh, man. 
tough break Eddie. for your for my guy there. For Ricky? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you you were you're putting up numbers with him. For I sure. didn't finish the game. <laughs> didn't finish the game. I don't know what happened. It could still be on pause for all I know. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. But yeah, Dion. So if we had to recklessly guess who gave it to him. Oh my God! Is Pat Dave. Riley an option? Yes, Pat Riley <laughs> yeah. is an option. <laughs> Andy Ellisberg. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I could see, like Jimmy Butler doing it would be the funniest, <laughs> because it's like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna challenge this guy or whatever, right? Like that's the equivalent of playing with the third team against the starters. Um, see if he can handle it. I don't know. I but Pat Riley would be my my wildest speculative guess. Uh, Fred. Well, Jimmy Butler couldn't have done it because he had a 3.45 a.m. workout. So, oh, good point. <laughs> that that never would have worked. And uh, Tyler Hero had to beat him there by five minutes. So, yeah. so that never would have been. Um, you know, it. Justice Winslow smiles a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. Justice Winslow, he smi- and when, when he smiles, his, his eyes get kind of small. Uh, you know, I could, I, Myers Leonard feels like more of a beer guy than anything else. Okay. Yeah. James James Johnson seems like he always needs to be aware just in case anyone attacks him. So I don't think he would, he would do it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go justice Winslow. John. Look at Kelly Olenek. Oh boy. Come on. This is Occam's Occam's razor. Let's go. Come on. It's right there in front of us. Is Occam a, a D-League guy they have? <laughs> uh, what, what the most who, obvious answer is the right one. Waz, who, who are you going with? Yeah, I, I, I actually like Justice Winslow for different reasons because he's got dreads. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got, like, the fake roster thing going on. and and it, But it also feels like somebody gave him an amount, told him not to do it, too crazy. Any half of it, because it's obvious this is not something he's doing all the time, or else he wouldn't have overdosed. What are we calling? Are we calling this an overdose? No, no, you can't. You cannot overdose on marijuana. That's 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 one of my many problems. Well, my experience of not going to a Wu Tang concert disagrees with you because (laughs) I feel like I overdosed. Yes, Zach, but if you show up to the hospital and say he has a drug overdose and they say, what are his symptoms? And you answer, unable to go to a Wu-Tang concert. That is not something that doctors are going to treat. They're not going to be like, oh, well, here are free tickets then. That's not how this is going to work. Yeah, I think, I think their first question would be, oh, so he's a Confederate sticker on his truck? Like, that's what it, <laughs> I think that's... You, you know what, though? I, I actually don't agree with you guys. I, I, think, I think the 10-game suspension is problematic. I'm not a fan of it, but but I don't think it's I weed. I don't think it's a drug suspension. But right. but they they mentioned the players' union should be fighting this. Yeah, for sure. They they negotiated with. First of all, he has a games played incentive right. in his contract, and so it's weird to just give a guy a games played uh, incentive in a contract and then suspend him for something that would put him automatically missing those games played. Second of all, the. The lead, the team seems to be overstepping to me what are collectively bargained rules about marijuana. It's the first time you test positive, there's really no penalty. The second time you get a fine and it's private. The third time you get five games and it's set in stone rules. And even if this is the breaking point, it just feels weird to me that this is the breaking point. And Dion's never done the five-game weed suspension, has right. he? No, he hasn't, and so this wouldn't be an additional one. I, I have a, I have a hypothetical. But, that, but that's against. a league suspension. That's not a team. A team suspension is completely different. Yes, like, yes, it is. But that's why I think the team is overstepping. Okay, let me give you guys a hypothetical. Uh, if, and I wonder how much of the way that we talk about this is just the language of weed and the taboo that comes with it. If Dion Waiters had uh, borrowed an Ambien from a from a player who was prescribed it on a team plane and Dion wasn't prescribed and had a bad reaction to the Ambien, would anyone have, have cared about the fact that he took an Ambien? Because that is technically more illegal and Ambien is more addictive. Right. Yeah. True. But yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think this has, I don't think this is, Oh my God, he took weed and we have to, we have to crack down on this. This is a no tolerance. Like this is a, 
Listen, yeah, now, Dion now, got they, his they, contract. He stopped caring about being yeah. in shape coming into camp. He's they've feeling had issues, like they've conditioning had He very well could have recourse to challenge this suspension, and and maybe the players' union is going to rally around him and say, whoa, 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 just because maybe you don't like the guy doesn't you, you can't do this to him. Um, and, and maybe that's true. Maybe the Heat are overstepping that way. But um, I have not personally looked at this as a suspension for for drugs because I, I mean I think that's more that is a league thing like this seems to be conduct conduct detrimental which which is whether it's this plus many other actions that have happened over the course of time to 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 earn him this in their eyes and maybe they are overstepping but I don't view this as he was suspended 10 games for weed. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Like now, I'm not saying all of their gripes with Dion, right, are, are, are fair or fair valid, right? Like I don't, I can't speak to that. But this is a, I like you're, I think you're dead on with this. Like this is a lifetime achievement award mm-hmm. for yeah. for him. <laughs> Should we give a, him a montage? Is this the Syracuse <laughs> thing, Fred? <laughs> <laughs> is it a serious thing? Just, did, yeah. you know that, did you know that I gave Dion Waiters his uh, his recruiting tour? You want a story? So Dion Please was tell a me junior. it's he got game story. Please tell me it's he, he got a, game story. He was a junior in high school, and he was like a top 15, top 20 recruit. And I gave him his tour around the Carrier Dome, and he kept chucking up half-court shots and making all the managers go get them and bring them back to him. And was not saying a thing to us. Like, I was really hoping that kid didn't come there. And then he came. Oh, boy. Jesus. Kobe Wade. Remember, he gave himself that nickname. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe Wade. Because he was a mix of both of them. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that was Kobe Carl. <laughs> and Wade Davis, the Wade baseball Baldwin. player. <laughs> I was thinking Wade Boggs. <laughs> He did hit the gummies like Wade hit the beers on the, the beers flight, on right? The flight. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we were we were in uh, we were in Staples Center last night, was for for the reunion of one Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. Paint the scene for us, was how beautiful was it? How gorgeous? Like 70 percent Raptors fans in the building. Yeah, the building was at about seventy percent capacity, so. There you go with Clippers fans caring about this game. Um, and, yeah, the Raptors fans were pretty vocal in there. Um, it was kind of loud in Staples Center. That's how you know you weren't at a normal Clipper game, where the loudest <laughs> it ever gets is when there's a chance that they could get the free Chick-fil-A, which, look, I, I, I love Chick-fil-A, too, but... Well, I got to tell you, well, was, I gotta tell you quiet it generally is in there. I got to tell you, that's not a Clippers Staples Center thing. I've never heard Vivint Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake City as loud. And I was there in playoff games where they were rowdy, as loud as when there's a chance at free chicken. It Dude, is, by the way, how come we didn't redeem the, the chicken stuff? Is that a t- ticket we haven't, stuff thing? Yeah, it's a ticket stuff thing you have until 10.30 a.m. So we still have time. But we need tickets, Waz. Oh, which, is, which is BS. We get the giveaway stuff if we want. ridiculous. Yeah, that's like we got those ridiculous. Buffalo Braves socks. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, so I, I gotta ask. Uh, you know what? Let's get a let's get a new segment in, guys. Let's get a new mm. segment called "Buy or Sell." Huh? I just invented it. No one's ever thought of "Buy or Sell" before. Brand new. But brand new. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna either buy an idea. Uh, don't worry, you have to give me any money. We're gonna buy an idea. Uh, promo code back of whether or not something's true, or we're going to sell an idea of whether or not something, something's false. We can work this out as we go, but I think that's a good, that's a good game show to, to invent. Crazy that you just came crazy. up with that off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah I'm because need it's a- crazy because we got Frank. We have Frankie Ice on. <laughs> He's usually on around yeah. the horn. Yeah, I, po- I, I apologize for interrupting <laughs> while going around the room here with, uh, with the, the old buy or sell. But, so let's buy or sell the idea that uh, the Raptors are just are gonna are gonna make the finals without Kawhi Leonard. Is that I'm pretty buying. good so far? I'm oh, buying. Man. Why are you doing this? I'm buying. 
Listen, man, they are <laughs> they are incredibly deep. They don't have any glaring weaknesses. Are they incredibly deep? They looked they pretty are. thin last night. Well, they they've lost three st- starters to injury, including OG Ananobi got poked in the eye last night, and they still were in you know, it. He's wearing, he's wearing an eye patch. I saw him. It wasn't a, a, yeah. like a well, traditional blood. pirate eye patch. Yeah. yeah, but like he had a he had a bandage like taped over yeah, his eye. Like it was bad. Yeah, I mean, and it was Kawhi that got him too. So like you know, oh, yeah. Edge. Dang, yeah, the claw, blood. right? Uh, but but they're incredibly deep. I mean, they they were missing three starters in that game, and and gave the Clippers on a back to back everything they could handle. Uh, they match up well with a lot of teams. They have a lot of lineup versatility. Nick Nurse has proven himself to be a good coach. You know, it's it, a it, lot it of it's much, a lot of Norm Powell though. It's a lot uh, of yeah, Norm Powell. Yeah, but Norm Powell's been pretty good. Exactly. Who's scoring for them? So in the this is what I was going to say. So it, it it's going to depend on Pascal Siakam continuing to kind of do what he's done early on. Yeah, but he's got to um, be even better than he's been, Dave. Like he's got to be like not in the East, not to get yeah, to the finals to because get I, past Giannis or Embiid. See, this Embiid? is the thing. Look at Kemba? look at the flaws of those teams though, and and this is my point is that I think that. Toronto has just as good a chance as Philly and, and and Milwaukee do. Looking at them right now, I mean, th- things may smooth over for for Philly. Uh, I think Milwaukee's got some serious issues and are and they're really going to miss Malcolm Brogdon in the spring. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, this Toronto team is good, really good. They're good. I just don't think they'll be able to score in the playoffs. Like even last night, like they can't rebound. See, That's the they, issue. Like they, they can't, can't rebound, rebound. and you could see it's like. Fred Van Vliet, like, he has to be your fourth option to score on a real playoff team that's supposed to do something. Um, You can't ask him possession after possession to create offense for himself and others. And I realize Kyle Lowry would be, you know, a sort of... uh, a, a sort of escape valve as well. But, like, Siakam got to be able to get to the line, beat his man in front of him in those clutch situations when team when teams are just clamping down. He ain't that yet. Y'all He's remember this. Not. When the Knicks give Fred Van Vliet $25 million a year this summer and Waz starts remember. changing his I think, tune. I think, <laughs> I think Van Vliet's going to Dallas, but he, that's Guys, me. he's shooting 35% from the field. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> 35 He's miscast, though, Zach. They make him shoot. Way <laughs> yeah, more he, he's got he's got an outsized load. Wait till the Raptors trade for Wiggins. That's what she's. Oh, <laughs> most improved player. Buy or sell? Andrew Wiggins <laughs> is cured. So uh, buying Andrew, I've been basically buying yeah. Andrew Wiggins since he showed up to the league, and I've yeah. like just refusing, refused to give up on the guy. And you know he's showing improvements. He's played well this season. He's played all great. things considered, hey, making plays for other people. Well, I mean, that, yeah. that's just incredible. That's the thing. Like you, we have seen him over uh, the course of his career go through little stretches where he puts up numbers, and you think, okay, maybe he's turning the corner. Maybe this is the breakthrough. And he's going to finally start fulfilling this potential. And then he falls back. But so many of those stretches were just, he was making shots. Like he was hitting those tough pull up 20 footers and they were going in for some reason. And that wasn't sustainable. And then he would kind of go back to the 38% shooter that he was and, 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 and kind of loaf around. But this year he does look different in like what Dave was saying, making plays for his teammates He's averaging like six and a half assists a game over the last four. Um, and he and mind you, he's he's doing this while kicking, driving and kicking the guys who like literally can't shoot, like missing 39 threes against Denver uh, can't shoot. So he sees the floor better. He's rebounding a little bit better. And I think the system that he's in now just I think it's opened up some things for him. So. I can't say that he's arrived, but it looks like this say version you coward. This version looks more sustainable than the other little flashes that we've seen from him. Okay. What is what is arrived? What is what is like what, if we're buying this? What what is that? Yeah, mean? I mean, if he's this player for, if he's this player for the he rest justifies of the contract, the contract. He justifies yeah. the contract, right? Like, Borderline All Star type player. Yeah. So this is so he's got career high in scoring, twenty five a game right now. Uh, second best rebounding percentage of his career, best assist percentage of his career, lowest turnover percentage of his career, highest true shooting percentage of his career. Um, and, granted, and, and, and granted, yeah. it's his career, so I mean, right. you, know, you take that for what it's worth. But this is the player that they 
thought they were signing. Now, does it sustain more? And he's had a couple of big ups and downs within that 10 games, so you can say it's a little streaky for sure. Like, I think that's fair, John. But it's but if you buy that it's trending in the right direction and this and it can trend this way or even plateau at this point, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and and the thing is, is like you when you watch him play too, like earlier in his career, he, he couldn't dribble at all. Like it was you know, three. He had three dribbles to get where he had to go, and if he had to do anything more, it was over. And this year, he is handling the ball a lot because they've had some point guard issues, and he looks a lot more comfortable. His handle is a lot tighter. He's you know shooting. 73% from the line, which is a big step up from the last couple of years. Um, you know, he is shooting confidently from three. He's only at 34%, but, um, but he's knocking a few more of those down. And then his shot selection, like he's taken away the mid range pull up contested fadeaway that he, you know, just went to way too often in the first five years of his career. He's shooting a lot more. He's getting to the rim a lot more. And he's shooting more threes. And so it's just a more efficient way of playing, a smarter way of playing. So, you know, Ryan Saunders has done a good job with that. And Andrew's done a better job as well. Okay, buy or sell, Dave. The the Wolves will now use this to to trade him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That that's I mean, if if this continues to like mid-December. That's, a, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of the funny part, right? Is that it's like oh, they fix my and like get him yeah. the fuck out of that here. new front <laughs> office. Like that would fit right in line with what I what I know about that new front office. Um, yeah. and, and I can imagine they're on the horn right now with Charlotte saying, "Hey, you know, you Andrew this. Wiggins looked pretty good on that team. You guys, <laughs> you guys are a little feisty." You know, he, let, let us take that Devontae oh, Graham kid off Devontae your hands. Devontae Graham, man. You know, you you don't need that problem. You don't need that uh, that guy outplaying. Terry Rozier that you just gave a big contract to that's just going to create problems in the locker room why don't you take Andrew Wiggins who would be a great compliment to Terry Rozier help play make take some of that playmaking load yeah. off of him buy, buy and, and we'll just take Devontae Graham buy or sell that I break my rule of no second year players for MIP for Devontae Graham <laughs> <laughs> he was awful when he first came up Last year, I you remember it. our conversation? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh he wasn't any good. I, was I like, liked him, but he wasn't any good. Like I was like, oh, that man. guy, that guy is like a G leaguer for I sure. I think we had a conversation before yeah. that he was not an NBA. He's player. been he's been good this season because yeah, he's, like y'all just said, he was. He's been mm, killing. He's been amazing. He should be starting. Yeah. He should be starting on a good yeah. team too, right? Not just Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. How 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 upset is Waz going to be when your starting wings for the 2020 New York Knicks are Andrew Wiggins and Demar Derozan? I mean, oh, that, oh that, Canada. Yeah, but the, uh, I mean, that would be uh, you know a level of competence an upgrade, a huge upgrade. <laughs> like, upgrade. I mean, you know, like yeah. the the dudes that they went out and got this summer is just like what the Bobby Portis thing. I was like, how how is this guy like how I get it? Oh, it's a two year window. Twenty twenty sucks, and it's like. These people aren't going to do anything but take minutes away from young guys who you're supposed to be building towards the future well, with. All right. Buy or sell that having these veterans in front of the young guys actually helps development. Sell. It helped here. Show, show I me buy that. I, I sell mean, if it's if it's the right veterans, then it can. But you got to right. pick the right veterans. Like it can't right. be can't be yeah. Bobby Portis. Like Taj Gibson, I can buy. Taj Gibson, I can buy, helps Mitchell Robinson. Taj Gibson is a pro, and you will not hear anybody say a bad thing about him, and has legitimately helped young guys in the past, goes out of his way to help young guys. I can't, like, Bobby Portis is still a young guy. We just know who he is. Bobby Portis is 24 yeah. years old. It's also, not like I don't he's think, I don't giving this veteran presence. Bobby Portis on multiple, as a veteran role no. model, right? Bobby like, Portis on multiple, on multiple occasions, on multiple pre-draft interviews referred to himself in the third person. The, oh, the, the key that makes me, that, now I'm buying. <laughs> the the key the key if you are bringing in a veteran as sort of this mentor or whatever they have to know where they are in the league like you know that's when when, when flip brought in kg and andre miller and tayshaun prince those guys knew they were not starting you know playing 40 minutes a night type guys anymore that that they were going to be there to mentor and show and 
Taj Gibson knew that in the last couple of years as well. That yeah, he was starting, but I know that I, I got to help these young guys because I'm closer to the end of my career than the start. Where Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and those guys, like they 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 fancy themselves as the stars. And no, no, young fella, I'm you're not taking my spot. This is my, my spot. My counter to that would be, and granted, so I do think like management affects this as well. So it could be, yo, we signed these guys. You got to play them. David, right? Like you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta play these guys. So we can't like don't well, put they the young guys them. in over, right? Exactly. Wanna we want to flip them, and we want to show that these guys are good, and that we didn't make you know make hilarious mistakes or whatever. So I do think management can affect the, the rotations and the playing time there. But I also think there's part of me that says, look, man, if Kevin Knox can't prove that he should have minutes over Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis, you got bigger that's problems. Your answer. Yeah, that's yeah. your answer, right? Yeah. Like so, I do. Like I think in theory it's a good idea. Maybe in application in this case. It's detrimental, but I do think the theory of it makes sense. No, I, I agree with that. I, I mean, that's a that's a because like because that's the other thing too, right? <laughs> is like mess. when we talk about yeah, no, it's not a mess, but <laughs> let's just when, say this. when we talk about development, right? Like we always assume that only comes from on court in game action, and uh, yeah. I don't find that to be true. And I do think like creating healthy competition for these minutes will benefit the players in the long run. This just right. may not be healthy competition, right? Yeah, but at the same time, though, you know, there's self-awareness, I think, is an important. Well, we know the Knicks are self-aware. Right. (laughs) Sure. But, like, they should look at that team and say, we have all these young guys that really need minutes. Uh, Let's let's get them out there so they can make mistakes so that, you know, we can we can use Fisdale, who was great in Miami at developing, you know, helping to develop young players. Well, let's use this this skill that we have uh, available to us, and maybe I mean, we can turn these guys into something. I mean, R.J. Barrett has looked really good to start the season, despite being saddled with an awful roster. Yeah, he leads, he leads them in minutes. Um, you know, Frank Nealakina is getting minutes. Kevin Knox is getting minutes. Uh, you know, like Alonzo Trier is getting the short end of the stick here. Damian Dotson is getting the short end of the stick here. Like, I think those guys should be playing more. But also, I I don't know, man. I don't know. Nothing's gonna work. I don't know if Trier should be playing more. I mean, he's best scorer. Yes, but like best scorer out of a a team that doesn't really have any other options. I mean, yeah, but like like personally, like, look, this is gonna sound hyperbolic, but I kind of mean it because I think he's a natural scorer. I'd rather have Trier scoring the ball than giving the ball to Julius Randle and saying, "Go do something." Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I also don't think Julius Randle's good, but like, I don't even think like, oh, in the right fit. Like, I think he's a bad, actively bad player. Who just happens to get stats that dazzle us? Yeah, Portis, Portis is going to get like he's going to have a market, uh, so they will be able to trade Portis. Taj, I don't know about maybe maybe Morris. Um, I think they will be able to move these guys. They are just going to be probably taken advantage of. That that's the issue is that they've set themselves up where they have too much of this one asset, so they've devalued their own assets. And I think that you know this <laughs> this was all very obvious this summer to us. We all knew this was coming. I actually don't even know why we're all kind of acting surprised by it. Um, oh, it's not surprised. We knew they were going to be bad. It's more of a. It's more like, look, I think I I hate the victory lap of, like, hey, I I said this was going to happen and it happened. I hate that, but this isn't so much a victory lap as just a like. What's the scene in The Simpsons where he makes the he makes Nelson like walk down the street in his in his underwear or something like that? The tall guy. He bullies them. Like, I think that's what this is. I think we're just bullying the Knicks. <laughs> this is the point where I think bullying's okay. Yeah, none of us had to walk out on a limb and say, boy, this isn't going to work. Like, right. <laughs> you know, that wasn't like exactly the, the hottest no, take of all no, time. No, that's walking that, outside and being yeah. on firm ground. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's right. Like, I, that, that was not a bold statement at the start. Well, boy, I don't think this is the next year. Yeah, yeah. Whatever Nick's not good island is was a very populated <laughs> island. Yeah, like, that was, that was Manhattan. The Knicks fan thing online of saying, "Oh, say Knicks for clicks." Like, no, buddy, sorry, no one nah. cares. But no one even cares that the Knicks are bad anymore. It's just a fun like they, you in, can get that on the irrelevant. airwaves. Yeah, but they that's not getting that's irrelevant. not getting clicks on the internet. I can tell you that. I yeah. I was thinking about the say Knicks for clicks thing, which first of all is is a terrible slogan. It's it's horrible. Yeah, because, better than anything the Clippers have come up with. Well, well, people first. First of all, it's it's long-winded, and second of all, people respond to tweets using it, and there are no clicks on tweets. So yeah, it's, it's more just, of a tap, right? Yeah, 
Yes, yeah, so it should be it should be say Knicks for likes. That would make more sense. Say Knicks for clicks makes no sense when you respond to a tweet. Yeah, it, it made more sense when they had Porzingis because you say Chris Stapps for taps, right? <laughs> that's, that's when it made more sense. <laughs> that would be way better. Fred's the only one that laughed at that, huh? Well, that, that yeah, that's the first thing getting no laughs. I know. That, yeah, that's why. That's why. I'll add the laughter. <laughs> thanks, Fred's thanks, wearing man. New Balance. So. <laughs> Jesus. All right, that's it. Fred, get your ass to StockX and get some real shit. <laughs> thanks to Frank Isola. Thanks to Wasley Lambert. Thanks to uh, Dave DeFore, John Krasinski, Fred Katz, Matt Katz, whatever, whatever the hell we're calling them these days, and uh, for Jade Hoy, who sounds like puberty. forget to check out all of our podcasts of course we've got the national ones for tampering with uh is house of strauss a national pod it's just an easy podcast uh with hoops and jason um all that good stuff uh nerd she wrote but also don't forget the local pods we've got wizards after dark with matt fred katz we've got hoops and Howls with myself and john Krasinski. we've got from the rose garden with dave DeFore and my Credibility gone. <laughs> oh, it's 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 all gone. So it was when a good run. So after uh, they lost to the Warriors in the 2016 Western Conference Finals, uh, 